sudden, this week, they announced that they are stepping back and going to allow the government to essentially decide if there will be high school sports or not this fall. And I can tell you my first thought after seeing that announcement was, there's no high school football this fall. It's just simply not going to happen. Welcome to the WCIA 3-in-1 podcast. Brett Barron's here in the podcast studio. Marley is on vacation this week, so it is just me here in the studio, but we have lots to talk about in the past week here in the sports world in central Illinois. So thanks for tuning in, everybody. We are going to update you on the IHSA return to play guidelines and essentially how they had said this week, hey, we're walking out of this thing. We're done. It's going to be up to the government from here on out. I've got some thoughts about that. Illinois Athletics briefs its student body on Thursday about its return to play and how it intends to get back to competition this fall. All eyes still on playing, despite some interesting comments from the NCAA president. We'll discuss that. Parkland announces its plan, and it's in conjunction with the Midwest Athletic Conference and the NJCAA, which says spring sports are going to be played, winter sports will be delayed, and there will be little to no fall sports for junior college athletics. And we will hear from Tim Sinclair coming up. He's down in the NBA bubble at the Wide World of Sports at Disney. I had a chance to chat with him. He's just got a couple of days left in his bubble quarantine before he gets ready to broadcast the games and do the play uh, and do the PA announcing for the NBA games in Orlando. But we start today with the IHSA and I've got to be honest, I get to this point now where we're sitting here on July 17th and I don't want to be a downer here, but I have little to no faith that there's going to be high school football this fall. And really, this has been an update from the last couple of weeks. Because on July 3rd, when the IHSA announces that contact could happen, that they could have some competitions, that seven-on-sevens were allowed, I was pretty optimistic at that point. I thought we're on a pathway here, progressing from their phase one, which they called it, or stage one into what later became known as stage four or phase four to align with the Restore Illinois plans from the governor. And I said, I think we're going to have football this year. I think there's a pathway here for there to be contact sports this fall after that July 3rd announcement right before the holiday weekend. Then just six days later, all of a sudden the IHSA essentially reverses course and we get to a point where they decide that they're going to align more with the ISBE, Illinois State Board of Education, and the governor in their return to play guidelines. The IDPH had cleared them to move to contact, cleared them to move to competition, putting them on a path towards getting sports back this fall. They reversed course just six days later. And then in this week, we see that the IHSA says, hey, we're going to let all decisions on our return-to-play guidelines be handled by the governor's office, Illinois State Board of Education, and Illinois Department of Public Health. In the past, the IHSA Sports Advisory Committee had come up with its own plan that needed to be approved by the Illinois Department of Public Health, but it was the IHSA working alongside itself, essentially, to get these kids back on the field this fall. Now, all of a sudden, this week, they announced that they are stepping back and going to allow the government to essentially decide if there will be high school sports or not this fall. And I can tell you my first thought after seeing that announcement was there's no high school football this fall. It's just simply not going to happen. Our, our governor does not want that to happen in a sense because he's more worried about 
getting kids back in school, number one, and that should be the priority. I'm not trying to bash the governor here, but that should be the priority, number one, that you want kids to be in school learning as much as possible. Trying to figure out how we're going to get contact sports, I really don't feel like is the governor's top priority or even a big priority at this point in the middle of July. So if we're in question about even getting kids back in school, I have zero faith that we're going to be playing high school football this fall. Doesn't mean it won't happen next spring. I think that's more of a limited possibility that it's going to happen next spring because I don't think the government wants to work through that either. Maybe the IHSA steps back in and says we'll develop a plan with that. But I understand why people were frustrated. This has been a long, winding road to get to this point after the IHSA back in March canceled its state basketball tournaments after allowing the teams that had qualified for state in Class 1 and 2A to make the trip to Peoria. They get there, and then they decide to turn them around and send them back home. That wasn't a great look. They kept the envelope open for so long into having spring sports and maybe playing some games, maybe having some kind of IHSA-sanctioned activity, when I think we all knew in the back of our minds that that was very unlikely. They kept it open. They decided to say all the way uh, late into the spring that, hey, there's a chance. We don't want to give up hope. And while I commend that, I have a hard time believing that with the landscape of our country, of where we're at right now, the long-term outlook, there was little to no chance that that was going to happen. And yet they let the Band-Aid stay on for that long. And now we get to a point here where I believe next week we are going to have a decision. The IHSA board is scheduled to meet on July 22nd. That's next Wednesday. I believe they will come out of that meeting with a decision about fall sports and mainly high school football because of the contact issue. We also had a point this week where the IHSA had to go back upon itself and offer a revision to its Phase 4 guidelines and essentially saying that coaches no longer have to wear masks. This was an announcement made to IHSA athletic directors and school administrators across the state earlier this week and it was just another chapter another page of what has been a crazy ride with this COVID-19 thing and while I understand it may sound like I'm just sitting here bashing on the IHSA let me take a moment to say I almost feel bad for them in a sense because they're in a tough place nobody wants to make decisions nobody wants to step out and be a leader and everyone is essentially just passing the buck up the scale. And I don't blame them for that. I don't think that's necessarily a bad thing. Because who do you answer to? Who's authoritative in this? Who has the final say? And that should be the government. Because in this culture and climate that we've seen, the governor has taken big-time steps to limit exposure in Illinois. And by and large, it's worked. Illinois, as a whole, is doing really, really well according to the numbers and the scientific research about cases and positivity rate and keeping people out of the hospitals and not overwhelming our system. And so I commend him for that big time because I think that's really, really important, especially when you look at states like Arizona right now and Texas and Florida, and the numbers are just going through the roof in this second wave here. And so far, Illinois has done really well for that, and I think we have the governor to thank for that and his restrictions. I also get at the same time, while people are very upset, they want to have high school sports this fall. They want to be able to do the things that they want to do, and they don't want anyone telling them they can't do it, right? That's the old American thing. Like, hey, I'm an American. You can't tell me that I can't do this. 
This is America. You can't tell our high school kids that they can't play high school football this fall. I get that. Believe me, I want high school football too because it directly affects my job. Covering high school sports is a huge part of what we do here at WCIA, and I'm going to be very disappointed if we don't have that this fall. And it's looking like, unfortunately, that's going to be the case. But I also want kids to be safe. I also understand that high school football is not worth someone dying. And there's a possibility for that. Now, the numbers are low. Yes, I get that. But there's still a chance. There's also a chance that a kid could die from getting the flu. I mean, that happens too. The numbers there are also uh, higher than I ever imagined or even thought might be the case before doing some research and looking at it after this whole COVID-19 outbreak started. It's a tough spot. I don't have the answers. I don't know who has the answers. I don't think anyone does. And that's what's so difficult about this is it is unprecedented in that sense. Back in 1918, in the late teens there, where we had the flu break out in the worldwide pandemic, you know, we didn't have social media. We didn't have multi-billion dollar industries of college football and professional sports and all of that. And so these factors weigh into it. And we'll talk about that coming up with what Illinois' plan is and their briefing to the public on Thursday about their plan to play sports this fall. But I just have this feeling, and I've had it for a while now, and it was really cemented this week with the IHSA just saying, hey, we're giving all authority, in a sense, over to the governor's office, ISBE, and IDPH. And I think that was the ticket punched for no high school football this fall. And I heard on an interview this week uh, in a station out of Alito that uh, IHSA Executive Director Craig Anderson was on, essentially saying the lawsuit that was filed this week was this was the tipping point and it was not just 24 hours after that lawsuit was filed that the IHSA just said all right we're giving it to the government that's it I don't blame Craig Anderson for that he's in a really really tough spot the board of directors for the IHSA is in a really really tough spot what do you do and it makes it even more compounding and more difficult when the states around Illinois are playing sports I saw earlier this week on Monday that there was an all-star football game in Terre Haute. That's tough. Illinois canceled all those. So I think the only resolution to all of this is not playing high school football this fall. And I think that's where we're going to get to, and we should find that out middle of next week. It's an unfortunate situation. I hope that someone will step up, be a leader, maybe try and move this thing to the spring, but that has questions in itself. And what do we do if it is in the spring? What do you do for the underclassmen who, you know, want to still play spring sports, want to run track, want to play girls soccer, you know, want to do all of those different things, and they may not get that choice, or they may have to pick. And then, of course, obviously, if you play high school football in the spring, and you turn around and play it the following fall, that's a lot of contact in a short amount of time. In an age already where concussions and player safety has been talked about and, and maximized in the last couple of years, and I feel like we've made a lot of progress on that. So I don't have all the answers. I wish I did, but I do have an inkling and a feeling that uh, next week when we do this podcast, we'll be sitting here talking about the next steps and, and trying to figure out how we can play high school football at some point, but it, I just have a feeling it's not going to be this fall. Meanwhile, Illinois Athletic Director Josh Whitman, Illinois Chancellor Robert Jones, and Illinois Director of Sports Medicine Randy Ballard spoke in a brief yesterday on Thursday about their plan to coming back. And the biggest 
things I took out of this were the fact that Josh Whitman wants to play sports this fall. And while that's not a necessarily a big surprise, he's all in on still playing and feeling like that they can do it safely. And I think that's an important step here in the middle of July because for so long we've been forecasting about what this might look like. And yes, of course they want to play if, if, safe, if it can be done safely. But now I feel like it's time to put up or shut up in a sense. And Josh Whitman and the leadership in Illinois are still moving forward. Now, I thought there was some interesting comments from Chancellor Jones about the hardships and what's to come and if they can't play the financial losses and what that might look like and kind of foreshadowing a little bit. But by all intents, Josh Whitman is going to have all fall sports. Those were his words. They are going to embark on all fall sports as of right now. The key word there is as of right now. Also on Thursday, NCAA President Mark Emmert comes out and says he thinks it's going to be tough to play fall sports. So where do we lie here in the middle of the NCAA president who, by and large, doesn't have a lot of power as to what is going to happen for college sports, or at least college football, I should say. We have Illinois Athletic Director Josh Whitman saying we are going to play all of our fall sports, which at Illinois are football, volleyball, uh, men's and women's cross country. And so, you know, I, I think if they can get those off, then Illinois is in a great spot, at least financially and hopefully for the players' sake. But here's some of the biggest takeaways I took from that Zoom yesterday. Illinois currently has about 165 athletes on campus. Should have mentioned soccer in there as well for women's soccer. Testing by athletes uh, or testing for the athletes is by nasal swab on a weekly basis, and they've conducted about 1,000 tests so far. It's been roughly six weeks, four to six weeks, that these Illinois athletes have been back on campus. Uh, we already knew a lot of these things. We broke them down on a previous podcast. It was made official by Illinois, but according to the governor's phase four restrictions for sports, uh, no tailgating can happen for football this fall. That shouldn't be that newsworthy. We've already talked about that in the past. No fans for volleyball. I think that's important because they draw a great crowd there at Huff Hall, and unfortunately that's not going to be the case. According to those phase four limits by Governor Pritzker, only 50 people for an indoor event right now. Women did add that Illinois will likely test twice a week during the season, and this makes sense once before a game to make sure you're clear and your athletes are good to go. So you're not putting anyone with the virus out in harm's way. And then one time after, and I think that's an important step too in terms of keeping everyone healthy. They're planning for about 1,000 students to sit in the north end zone for football games those will be a lottery for tickets, and so there's not going to be any season tickets sold for fans this year. It's going to be interesting. I don't know if there's many more than 1,000 fans a lot of times at games anyway up there in the north end zone, but they're doing their best to keep the fans in there. Whitman also added that he's, all, he's trying to get the band somehow at the games too. That's going to be really, really tricky, though, because the band usually sits right below the student section supposed to be socially distant. Obviously, if you got 300, 350 somewhere in that neighborhood of band members in there, they're not all going to be able to be socially distant. How do you play a, a wind instrument with a mask on? Obviously, you can't. And he's hoping that, obviously, they'll be able to play this year. I think this is an aggressive plan from Josh Whitman. I commend him, certainly, for pushing forward and, and trying to continue to, to still play here trying to move the needle forward and be optimistic. I think he realizes too, and I know he does, that you know it's going to look a lot different. Obviously, we talked about previously on the 3-in-1 podcast here that 
You know, there's not going to be any non-conference games for football. I expect the schedule to come out next week, at latest the last full week of July. I don't think we get into August without a football schedule, but I don't know if that's going to be in the same order. Looking at a 10-game conference-only schedule for Illinois football, how do they mix that up? You know, how, would, where does Illinois go? Because if they can limit travel, I think they're going to try and do that. And Whitman said that especially for those quote-unquote non-revenue sports, for soccer, for volleyball, for cross-country. They're really going to try and keep those teams on buses. That's going to look different for volleyball. They fly commercial quite a bit. Cross-country does as well. And soccer also flies commercial. And so when you don't have a charter like football does to go to these games, I think they're going to really limit that schedule. That's been a lot of work and a big undertaking for the DIA to now already have a schedule for soccer, already have a schedule for volleyball, and you're having to shuffle all of that up. And certainly that's done by the conference. But I think there's a lot that goes into that too on the local level here for these teams. If I had a feeling today, sitting here on July 17th, I'm I'm probably 40-60, just a 40% chance, yes, that we're going to have college football this fall. I think a couple weeks ago I was a little bit higher, but with all of this resurgence here, and we're running out of time, and I think that's the biggest thing. Yes, it's going to be delayed, right? The SEC still hasn't made up its mind. The ACC, a couple big-time Big 12 conferences in there, they're still on the track to play their non-conference games, but that's going to start in about six weeks here. Illinois has the luxury of time, and time is the biggest luxury you can have. Time is money at this point because Illinois needs more time to try and limit the spread of COVID. So right now their first game is October 3rd at Rutgers. I expect that to change. Maybe they still go to Rutgers. Maybe that doesn't change. I'm not really sure. But if they can start with the opening week of college football for the Big Ten on October 3rd, man, I just have – that would be fantastic, number one. I think it would be awesome to see. But I have my doubts. I'm sitting here today probably 40-60 that it's not going to happen. But we'll see. I hope I'm wrong on that sense. I I really do because I think that it's going to get really, really messy if college football tries to go to the spring because you're going to have these first and second run draft picks that are no doubt picks, no doubt guys to be selected who are simply going to say, I'm not playing. And I don't blame them. I don't know if I'd play either. If I had $35 million and a first round top five, top 10 pick guaranteed, I don't think I'm suiting up Trevor Lawrence for Clemson. Because it doesn't make any sense. Why would you? I would get ready for the draft. I would move along. It would just be like all these guys that are not going out and playing in their bowl games. And I don't blame any of those guys. When you got that much money on the table, you've got to take it. That's life-changing. That's game-changing for those athletes and their families. I think we're going to see a lot more teams moving to the spring. We saw the Ivy League. They're canceling. Move into the spring. We've seen a couple other... Uh, leagues postpone, trying to give themselves some more time, or just moving completely to the spring. And I, I expect that to continue. Would not surprise me in the least if the Big Ten says, we are done with everything until, let's say, November 1st. That's the other thing that br- was brought up yesterday in the briefing by Josh Whitman, in the sense that at, if the season started right now for men's and women's basketball, there wouldn't be any fans at State Farm Center. And how weird that might be. There's going to be 20% fans 
at Memorial Stadium this fall. Whitman pretty adamant that they're going to try their best to make that happen. They need that ticket revenue. They put them at like 12,134 fans. He estimated between 10 and 12,000 they could fluctuate that number. Season ticket holders are going to get priority on that. That would be weird to have only that amount of fans at Memorial Stadium, and it's going to be a little different. But to have no fans at all at State Farm Center I think would be pretty strange. That place is cavernous. You get all the way up in the C section, and I just think it's going to be a different environment if there's not any fans in there. Now, things could change. We could certainly improve our numbers, and and Whitman put out a plea, and he just said, hey, look, if you want fans, if you want Illinois sports back, we need people wearing masks. We need people out there you know, being an advocate for themselves and for others. And he quoted a, an article he read and something he saw from one of the heads of the Center for Disease Control just saying we could have this thing nipped in the bud, that was his words, in a couple of weeks. I don't know if I'm at that point and believe that in just a couple of weeks this is all going to go away. But when you look around the world and some other places, they're doing a lot better than the United States right now. So Whitman's plea was out there. Wear a mask. Wash your hands. Be socially distant. All common sense things that we've all come to know here in the last three to four months in trying to get rid of this coronavirus. I thought it was interesting. Parkland put out its plan, and it is going along with the Midwest Athletic Conference that it's part of and the NJCAA. But earlier this week, the NJCAA announces that almost all of its fall sports, minus a couple that aren't run by Parkland College, are going to be moved to the spring. Basketball is going to be delayed. They're essentially just stopping all sports until Jan 1. And I think it's a pretty dang good model, to be honest with you at this point. I think we're going to see that a lot more. The teams just need time. Conferences need time. Leagues need time. And so it wouldn't surprise me in the least if we say, hey, we're going to take a hiatus here. We don't feel like this is safe. We don't feel like we can do it. And I think we're going to learn a lot more about all of this once Major League Baseball starts a week from today. Next Friday... I think we're going to have a really, really good sense about how this has moved along, how our country and society is moving along. And certainly a couple of weeks from today, after these MLB teams start flying around, you know, it's different with the NBA. We'll talk about that in just a minute. But they're in a bubble, you know, and it's a lot easier in that sense when you're in that bubble to keep your test numbers low. But what are we doing here with the MLB when the teams start flying around? I'm very curious to see how that's going to play out. But I think the NJCAA hit it on the head here so far. Jan 1, we'll reconvene then. They're going to allow some practices, some scrimmages, some contact days, so to speak, where they'll, the teams will be able, be able to suit up against other teams in a scrimmage. But you can't test every junior college athlete. You can't test every high school athlete. And so you just have to go with the protocols you have in place you know, take temperatures, encourage social distancing, encourage mask wearing, require it in some areas, and just see where we go from there. But I think we're going to know a lot more here, uh, certainly by next week. And in two weeks, I think by August 1st, we're going to have a really, really good sense about where we're at in this country and where we're going moving forward with sports. Really enjoy my conversation with Tim Sinclair. Of course, you know him from Illinois Athletics as the PA announcer for the men's basketball team, women's basketball, pretty much everything he's done at Illinois. He's also the Indiana Pacers PA announcer, and he's got an incredible opportunity 
right now in Orlando to be in the bubble at Disney's Wide World of Sports in Orlando. And he is going to work for about a month in the NBA restart. He's going to be down there doing games. He said maybe as many as two a day. Announcing games with no fans. The PA announcer. And it's an incredible opportunity for him. I really enjoyed my conversation with Tim earlier today. And I want to play that for you now. Just everything that I had questions about. What's it like being in your hotel room? He's only left his room a couple of times the last week. And he has to go through this seven-day quarantine to be eligible to announce these games. But... What's it like being in a hotel room for that many days straight? He, he's only felt that fresh air a couple of different times. And everything from food to, you know, no housekeeping to what's he's been, what he's been doing to pass the time. Here's my conversation with CI Living co-host, Illinois PA, and Indiana Pacers extraordinaire public announcer, Tim Sinclair. All right, Tim, so you've been in there multiple days now. You haven't had a chance to get out very much. How you doing? How's the morale? So far, so good. I've really been rather busy working on stuff for CI Living and working on stuff for Ringer and uh, just doing some fun, goofy things, too, to, to try to, to tell everybody else what's going on here. So I'm doing okay, but I, these last couple of days, I think, are going to be really, really slow. So you said you've been out a couple of times to get tested. What's that like when you leave the room, you know, this air-conditioned, temperature-controlled place that you've been in for all these days at a time, and then you get that Florida heat on you? You know what? It's uh, normally it would be oppressive, but any fresh air at this point, I will take. And it's maybe three minutes worth to walk sort of down the hall and down a flight of stairs. And our door is all open to the outside, um, so we just have to go down there once per day to get our uh, nasal swabs and throat swabs. Um, but I might walk a little slower than normal just to <laughs> just soak it in. But they don't want lingering. They don't want talking. They don't want any of that. They just want you to go there and come right back to your room. So I'm having to take it in as, uh, as much as they'll give me. So will you be able to not wear a mask? Like, you know, after this quarantine ends, what will your daily life be like going to games and all that kind of stuff? Are you going to have to be masked? You know, are you still going to have to be socially distant and all that stuff, even though you guys have passed all the quarantine and all that? Yeah. Every bit of that. So we will all have to wear masks all the time, unless if you are outdoors and socially distant, I believe they will allow us to, to not have a mask. Otherwise, we're going to have to have one on all the time, obviously eating and drinking. And for me, at the scorer's table, um, when I'm actually doing my job, I will be able to take my mask off as well. I'm told they have individual headsets for everybody, so we will get it, and it will be ours for the entire duration of the time here, so you're not sharing them with anyone, and uh, they've been extremely careful. You had a lot of questions going in, rightfully so. What have you learned you know, about this process and what you're going to be doing since you've been down there? Uh, a few things. One, I wasn't sure exactly what my role was going to look like in terms of are these going to be, am I going to be equally happy for going to kind of, or are they going to try to make the home team the home team? And they have bent over backwards to try to make whoever the technical home team feel like it's their home game. They have uh, video, audio, and all sorts of prompts that each team has sent 
so that they will use during the course of the game, much like they would if they were playing at home. Um, from my perspective, I will be more excited for whatever is the home team and more just sort of mundane for the, for the one that's not. Uh, they will, even to the point that the starting lineups for the home team will be done by the public address announcer from that team. They've recorded all those and sent them here. So games that I'm not working but that the Pacers are still playing where they're the home team, it will be my voice being used. And uh, likewise, for the games I'm doing that aren't the Pacers, they'll have their guys piped in to, to do it. So uh, that part will be, it should be really good. I, I've heard it just looks and sounds incredible, so I can't wait to check it out. How many games a day will you be doing, and how many of you, you know, PA announcers are down there? Uh, I don't know completely how many I'll be doing. The schedule is sort of finalized, but not completely. Uh, a lot, of, a lot of days I will be doing two. Um, some days I will be doing one, and then there are some off days here and there. Uh, there are four teams that are here. Um, each of the first three teams is assigned to an arena, so there are three main arenas, two big ones for national broadcasts, and one smaller one. And so each of those first three teams will always be in there. Uh, for me, I am on the team that's going to all of them. So we will uh, get tours on Sunday of all the different arenas and then sort of pop in for a game here or do two one night in another place and, and bounce between all three of them. How do you feel now? You know, you've committed to this, right? And you're, you're there, you're, you're living in the moment. But, you know, what are the feelings like moving forward here knowing that the quarantine is almost over and that you can finally get to work? It will be – this is I'm, – I'm tired of this. It's not terrible, but I'm, I'm glad that there's only two days left. And I think once we start working, time will go uh, a bit quicker. However, I think I am glad that I'm not going to be here until mid-October – um, that for the people who have been here before me and are staying after me, that's that's a really long time to be living out of a hotel room. Um, I do like the fact that in the middle I'm going to go work the WNBA games so that that'll sort of be a change of scenery and a change of pace and get me out a little bit. So I think all in all it's the, the best of all situations and I'm looking forward to it. What time or what day are you leaving to go to the WNBA, Tim? Uh, I believe I will head over on the 14th, so I'll do my final games the 13th or 14th, and then me and one other guy, he's a game manager from the Sacramento Kings, will rent a car and we'll drive over to Sarasota, and then we'll have a three-day quarantine there that we have to undergo, and then we can jump in. I, there, we're working two games most every day. Okay. All right. Uh, give us a sense of your room here, like what you've got around in there and what your surroundings are here. Uh, it's the nickel tour, and it's worth every bit of five cents because it's <laughs> not a very big area. But um, you can kind of see two beds for one person. So I switched the other night so I would have fresh sheets. And then um, there's a chair in the corner and a nice TV. I've got a setup over here so I can do TV and some other production work. And then uh, here is the bathroom, which happens to have really great light for doing videos. So uh, that's why I set up the ironing board. <laughs> and voila. Yeah, so I, didn't even, I didn't even think about that until you just said it right now. I mean, you don't have housekeeping coming in, right? No, that nobody is allowed in the room at all. 
So they have given us uh, a bunch of extra towels, some extra sheets if we want them. Obviously, I have two beds, so I slept in one for three nights, and I'm <laughs> switching to the other one. <laughs> and then a food delivery is literally they will knock on the door, set it outside the front door, and then we have to you know crack our door open, grab it, bring it in, close the door, and, and that's it. So. Okay. How's the food been? It's been good. It's we don't get to order whatever we want um, per se, so we get what they're providing. At least during quarantine, that's how it is. Um, so in that respect, you know, you get what you get. But they always give you a lot. Like I, I feel like I always end up with extra food, which I feel bad about because I can't give it to anyone else. It just has to get thrown away. But I try to eat bits and pieces of everything, and um, you know. It is what it is. I'm, I'm not complaining at all. Once quarantine's over, then we will be able to go eat at some of the facilities here, and those meals will be provided for us while we're on campus of the hotel, or if we're at ESPN's Wide World Sports, they're going to you know, feed us over there. But no buffets. It's all individually packaged meals, so you'll be able to pick what you want. Um, so they're trying to be super careful with that, too. Okay. What have they told you more about what you're going to be able to do when you're not working in terms of activities or whatnot? We have to stay on our hotel campus. So there are three hotels in the ESPN Wide World Sports. We can't just hop on a shuttle and go to a different hotel and try out different stuff. We have to stay where we are. The good news is this one's fairly good size. Um, there are three different restaurants and there's a pool and like a three quarters of a mile hiking, biking, walking trail and a few other things. So uh, I'm going to try to get to the pool and do some walking when it's not oppressively hot and try to explore as much as I can. And then uh, they are setting up times where you can go to the driving range or you can, um, you know, some of those kinds of things. But um, I'll probably play it by ear for the first week or so, explore what's here, and then maybe venture a little farther out. But I think we're going to be so busy that I'm, you know, when I'm not working, I'll either be in the pool or in bed. <laughs> and you guys are not at the same hotels as the players, or you are? We are, uh, except here, there's three different hotels, and so they've split the teams. Uh, the teams that are here, I believe, are the top four seeds on on each conference. Um, but there is a, a separate, like, tower section right near the main entrance where they are, and then there's casitas that spread out from that. So we're in those things that are spread out, and they're, they're more in the tower. Okay. All right. Well, you're making some history here, and pretty cool you know you're getting this opportunity to to do this what uh what things do you think you'll you know remember most so far about this time in quarantine now that you're you know wrapping down here uh this about to end you know i try to think about that a little bit and i am really impressed with the how strict the nba has been obviously it's confining and it takes away your freedom but i think most might assume oh those players or those people who work, you know, they can get away with whatever. They're doing all this to say they're doing it, but it is more than just talk. Uh, it is as strict as you can be. Every guideline has been followed to the nth letter, and um, that's been really impressive to me. I mean, we've got bracelets to tell us where we can and can't go and who we can and can't be near to. Um, there has been no flexibility whatsoever on um, being around other people, not wearing a mask, leaving your room. And, you know, if you're going to pull this off and you're going to do it and sort of be the leader for all professional sports in this, 
you got to do it right. And I really feel like they are. And if, if it doesn't work here, it's not going to work anywhere. Do you feel confident then that it will work, that you guys are going to be playing ball here pretty soon? I do. I do. I know there's been a few uh, little things that have popped here and there with people who had to go home for whatever reason. Um, but most of that hasn't been COVID related at all. Um, I've heard of, uh, you know, different stories here and there, but they've been very, very few. And the solution has always been, if something pops, then you will be in quarantine until it's not there anymore. And they are doing that with players. They would do that with any staff who came down with something. And so um, I feel like apart from somebody completely blowing it and then sharing it with their entire team, um, I think we're going to be playing, and I wouldn't be surprised if this makes it to the end. So here's hoping anyway. All right, really enjoyed my conversation with Tim Sinclair. Hope you did as well. It's been fun here the last 30 minutes or so. Hope you enjoyed just flying solo. That's all we're doing today. Marley will be back next week. I am actually taking some vacation next week. So Marley will get her chance to be here alone in the podcast studio. Maybe she'll have a special guest as well. We'll have to wait and see what plays out here in the next week. But thanks for tuning into the WCIA 3-in-1 podcast. What a time. I've been saying that a lot the last couple of weeks. What a time to be alive with all of these ever-changing things in our country, our society, and in our world. And I, for one, am just hoping we can hang on to at least some sports this fall, do it safely, and enjoy so much of what we have long been accustomed to, of sports being back. It's going to start next week in full with Major League Baseball. NBA follows a week after that. And I, for one, am excited to have some sort of normal back. I'm Brett Behrens. Thanks so much for listening to the WCIA 3-in-1 Podcast.